Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, and uh, as you can probably already tell, the reason I'm sitting far away from people today, I feel fine from about right here down, (laughs) here up, uh, struggling a little bit, but I felt like today to come, because I want to share with you a little bit about, and and one of the difficult parts about, if today's your first day, I'm kind of piecing together messages, and what I mean by that is, they're kind of stacking on top of each other, so I hope Today makes a little sense. Uh, could be, may have to go back and listen to some messages. How about that? That would be, I, I do it myself each week, so as bad as I hate to, but uh, I do that. One of the biggest challenges <clears throat> that I understood after I came to Christ, and I've mentioned it multiple times over the last few weeks, was that the day I came to know Christ, I thought the work had what? Been done. I stood in front of that Baptist church believing that the biggest thing I was ever going to do in my life, I had just done, which is true. But the reality is the work had only begun. So as I became a believer, one of the biggest challenges for me was Now what do I do with this? Hopefully I've locked myself into heaven. I'm not going to hell as I shared with you last week. I was fearful of that. That changed quickly. But at least I I, I believed that and was convinced of that. And by faith I walked that out. But what I did not see was really anybody helping me move from that point forward. Show up for church. And as time went on, tithe. Be an usher. Back when you, way back when you used to pass the plates and baskets two years ago, you know, but way back then. Yeah, my first, my first job at the church was, if you will, first serving place was being an usher. And I think I've shared this with you before, we had what we called a vestibule. Anybody know what a vestibule is? I've never even, I have no clue what that was. You've got to become a Christian to figure out what that is, I think. But in the, in the little churches there in Texas, at least, I don't know, it's this little thing you enter into, and it's kind of just a little foyer, but I mean, it's not big at all, and you walk in, and then you go into the main sanctuary. And, but what would happen is when, we'd be, when we would usher And one of the ushers always had to pray for the offering, which would freak some of you out, right? But that's how we did it. We had four four plates. One had a a, a scarlet or red uh, uh, felt on it, and the other three had gold. And this is how you would know who got to pray. And this is what we were doing out in the vestibule. We would lay them upside down, shuffle them, (laughs) and whoever got the red one, they prayed. Until, until I became, until they found out that I was called to preach. And then they decided, what? You need to practice praying in public. So I prayed every week. So it was my first volunteer place. However, though, somebody gave me a book, and I still still have it 36 years later, just a book that was about discipling I thought 
if you look at it, you're supposed to be doing it with people, but it wasn't. You just handed your book, you figure it out. Now, most of you know, as I've said, as I've shared over the last few weeks, I didn't even know what the first book of the Bible was when I got saved. So, or just a few weeks before that. So, to give a guy a book and go figure it out, but I did. What I figured out was, Holy Spirit had come into my life and blew my life up. As I've shared with you, I had terrible theology, but man, did I have a passion for people to come and know Jesus. Then I find out as I continue to read in Scripture, Matthew 28. I never really, I don't think I'd ever heard of the Great Commission. Maybe I'd heard, I'd heard the term. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'd heard the term. I just didn't know what it meant. <clears throat> then Jesus came to them. This is after the resurrection. Came to them and said, and I think there's a, there's a lot of this here that we could camp on today. But the first, I just want you to circle if you have, it in, if you have your scripture uh, in hand or if you can highlight it or whatever. All authority. I think this is really important. You've heard me quote many times, as we've said. When you come to the point where you realize the power and authority you walk in has no rival because the God you serve has no rival, you begin to act different. You begin to live different. What's so great about true Christianity, we don't use that power to lord it over others manipulate them or intimidate them. We use that power to serve them to advance the kingdom. So it's important when we hear this here that all authority in heaven and earth have been given unto me. Now, most of you here could finish this. Many of you could. Therefore, Go. You know what the Greek translation word for in Greek for go is? Go. Hebrew, go. I, I don't know all that. I'm just making that up. But I may be. <laughs> but what I do believe is this. It's gonna say the same thing. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that already? I really want you to raise your hands. How many of you know that? Genuinely, I don't ask this very often. You know I don't, so this is really important. How many of you have heard that before in your life, and you know that is the Great Commission? I just really want to know that. And I'm not trying to embarrass you if you don't, by no means, so don't take it that way. how easy it is to know it and not do it. So it was really difficult for me when I became a Christian not realizing that one of the number one things for believers was was not just getting people into the kingdom, which it is. No question about that. 
but it's teaching them to act like Jesus. A disciple, not a disciple of renovation, not a disciple of Kurt Gentry, not a disciple of Jesus. Again, it's difficult, I realize that, and how all that, I realize we can study that and how all that looks in your everyday life, I get that. So years ago, again, I'm repeating a lot of things that many of you have heard a hundred times, but that's okay, I hope. The repetition I've heard years ago is the motor of learning, and I hope it's helpful. But especially for you who maybe are new to renovation and you are trying to figure out who we are and why we do kind of what we do and why I even personally do a little bit about why I do. Well, the reason why there's a ladder on the stage is we believe, one, just what I said about coming down front on December 14th, 1986, and as messed up as my life was and as lack of knowledge I had of Christianity and of Scripture mainly, and of Christianity, I guess, experientially. But when we come to Christ, as Billy Graham says, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. So we come here. But then what I believe in my journey, and I believe it's for everyone who wants to grow, is that God begins to stretch us up to that next rung. And his rungs are further apart, so we will stretch. They will not be easy. You will know it's happening. As Henry Blackaby calls them, and we've stolen that phrase, is the crisis of belief. It's a moment whether you choose to follow after Christ and, and follow, follow God's leading or you choose not to. The problem with that is, again, as you stretch and he takes you and he continues to stretch and take you and continues to stretch and take you, if you decide to quit stretching and quit moving and quit growing, The difficult part is, I don't think you stay in the same place. That's the problem. And again, you can shoot holes in almost any of my illustrations, probably every one of them. So work with me. But it is this stretching and stretching and stretching and stretching and stretching and stretching, right? And he eventually takes you to a place where it says, do not stand. But you choose to stand. Because he says, I need you to go there. And what happens there is I've shared with you over and over also. Is if I'm going to, one of the things I love about the stepladder, the reason I'll use it, because it gets narrower as it goes up. So your focus has to be drawn in. And the higher you get and the more steps you take, the wiser it would be to have the people around you holding the ladder for you, trusting those people that they don't walk off. So you surround yourself by people who you know are going to stabilize and hold you. And maybe if you fail, they probably wouldn't catch you, but, (laughs) but they might. But for sure they'd help you get back up. So over time, it became very apparent to me that the churches I went to, the biggest way that you would do to, to, to do, and again, I, let me back up a second. 
there are times, and we are in that window of time right now, where we're probably not doing this near what we could have been doing or should have been doing. <clears throat> but I also watched over time in churches I went to, the biggest way they considered they were doing discipleship, and I'm not trying to make light of it, and I believe there's significant work goes on in those places, but it was either to start a Sunday school class or a small group or both. Now, are those pieces? Sure, I, I believe they really can be, but not just that, though. It can't just be just that. If you're not careful, what you end up with is people that have got a whole lot more knowledge but are no different. They're no different than they were when they started. Perfect attendance. What was it back in the day, the Church of the Nazarene? One of the things we used to call it, strive for five. Anybody ever remember that, the Church of the Nazarene? You had to come these five things, and your, your Sunday school class got some kind of award at district assembly and all this kind of stuff. You were more concerned about So I've been on a journey, at times getting off track, and I've shared that with you along the way in the last few weeks. Got a little off track along the way. COVID, I think, has helped do a little bit of that. But it's also an excuse if you're not careful. It becomes a reason or excuse not to do something. Now, adaptability in this window of time is critical. No question about it. Will we ever go back to the way we were doing it in March of 2020? My answer to that is no. Now, will pieces of that? I, I'm sure of that, but you got to figure out what those are and be in prayer and be in conversation about what are those things that come forward and what are the things we've got to do to adapt to be able to disciple people. But I want to give you today, because we're going to start over, over the next many, many weeks talking about the pathway that many of you who know me know is a passion for mine and talking a little bit more about Uncommon. But I want to share with you today, again, information you've, many of you have heard before, but I believe it's important to set the stage for where we'll be going over the next many weeks and hopefully this next year because we have to. We have not been commissioned to go into all the world and make attendees or part-time attendees. What's awesome, awesome about the part-time part of it, if we're really making disciples, those people will be on fire wherever they are, even if they're not here on Sunday morning. But, but if we make part-time attendees, my bet is they're not even thinking about that when they're not here. So we have to make disciples. How we do that, There's not an instruction in there on that. Do you know there's not even an instruction in there on really how to do church? These are the most important things that we're supposed to do, and there is no instruction.
Now we can begin to piece it together and, and begin to look at it. And many of you know, we've talked about it over the years, the marks of a disciple. So I want to share those four things quickly here, if I can, today. And I do have scripture. I may not read all of it. Most of it won't be on the screen at all. But I may read some of it. But I believe these four marks. I've got four G's and five C's today. My name is Kurt Gentry. So you wonder where I'm coming up with these. I got them backwards here. But C and G's. But the first one is this. I believe the mark of a, of a disciple is they are in growing intentionally. It is a heart's desire to hunger and thirst. Now, this growing, I want, I want to be sure, uh, when, I look, when I think of this, it's more than just getting Scripture in you. Because getting Scripture in you can, in some ways, leave you on the same spot. For decades, you're just weighed down about, and I don't mean this use, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I don't mean useless information that's coming from Scripture. It's useless to you because you just keep stacking it up and filling your bag up, but you're doing nothing with it. Intentionally growing, learning with the desire to be more like Christ. Learning with the desire to be more part of more of a community. Scripture tells us that they the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. I want to be, again, back to a little bit about my early years as a believer, early months especially. I do believe good doctrine is important. I, I, I think it, there's some things that I think are real critical that inform you and who you even line yourself up with. I think they're a pretty small number. And then there's other things you go, hey, I ain't going to worry about that. But I believe good doctrine, the reason I'm part of the Wesleyan movement and Wesleyan church and Wesleyan thought and the Church of the Nazarene is because I believe the doctrine. If I wasn't a part of the Church of the Nazarene for whatever reason, I would still teach this. Because as I have, over, over time and over time, as I've, it's not only bared itself out experientially, I believe it's bared itself out scripturally. But I don't believe the number one thing that God is trying to do in your life is get the right doctrine in you. I started to bring it in here a while ago and I left it because I believe the biggest thing that God is wanting to do in our lives is that whether it's small information a little bit at a time or trying to read the whole Bible through in a year, I think the Lord would rather, you, would rather you camp out somewhere and really grasp that or quit listening to, to 12 podcasts of sermons every week and just listen to one and start living that one out. 
than to live, listen to 12 and get good information, but you're not living any of them out. And I'm not picking on you. I mean, I, I get, I get and bombarded each day by information. And I don't know about you, I start getting it stacked up and I keep look up and go, I didn't even listen to that after one I listened to, oh, I don't know what to do with it because I've been listening to this one over here, not because they're conflicting, just because there's too much information coming in, so I'm doing nothing. But it's like I started to say earlier, how many of you know what an atlas is? And I'm just saying, I mean, I usually, like I said, you don't have to raise your hand but, but necessarily, but an atlas, I was a maps guy growing up, a kid. A maps kid. I like getting in an atlas and just trying to work because I'm very visual, extremely visual. So I like to look at a map. And when I ask Siri or whoever, whatever, uh, you know, to, to, to give me directions when I, on my car, I do like to kind of know the full scope, though. It's all right to kind of get turn by turn, and I appreciate it, but I like the bigger picture. I, I do, and that's why you know, I like the atlas. But can you imagine me mapping out a journey for you from, from Phoenix, Arizona, to the wonderful vacation destination of Wicks, Arkansas? <laughs> and you look at all, look at the map, look through it, study the map, study the turn, study the, the historic places along the way. And, and, and close it up, you're still in Phoenix, you've never been there, but somehow or another you act like you've been there because you've studied everything that goes there, but you personally have not experienced it. This knowledge is experiential. Just knowing it's not enough. So growing intentionally, not gaining knowledge intentionally, which is great, but growing intentionally. And I think a church needs to be a place where you're challenged to do that. It's like apologizing to a child for encouraging them to jump off the side of the pool and teaching them how to swim. Who would think that's silly? We would always say, no, we're going to teach them how to ride a bike. We're going to teach them, how, we're going to challenge them. And I'm not saying your children, I'm not getting, you know, that's not what I'm saying here. But can you imagine as a church not willing to challenge its people that are walking through these doors to be more than they currently are? It can come across as condemnation at times, and I get it. And that's the part of the challenge of having a person who leads your church that's got a coach bent and mentality is that I appreciate the progress we've made. And we celebrate it, but we celebrate it pretty short. But look what we could be. Look what Christ has for us. And so growing intentionally is one of those marks. Gathering regularly. At Renovation Church, we want to be with people that know us well enough that what they think of us and who I'm becoming matters to me. I hear a lot of times people go, I really don't care what they think of me. 
Okay. I can go with that on some places. But I want to be in a community that who I'm becoming and what someone else's opinion of me, of what I'm becoming, matters to me. And it takes a lot to get there. I'm not, believe me, I, I get that. I, I understand that it takes a lot to get to the level. And, and the last two years have disrupted that significantly. The whole gathering regularly. The central meaning of Konania. And this quote, again, you've heard many times here, but I can't get away from it because I believe it so much. And it's the English term for community communion, but it, it's Richard Foster's statement. When the people of God meet together, there often comes a sense of being gathered into one mind, becoming of one accord. When we are truly gathered into worship, things occur that never occur alone. There's the psychology of the group to be sure, and yet it is so much more. It is divine interpenetration. That is what the biblical writers call kononia, deep inward fellowship and the power of the Spirit. And I realize here in the valley, I think it's now below two, like 1.6 or 7 people attend church on a Sunday. And I realize COVID's done some things to that. Don't This is really before COVID. I don't think we grasp how critical it is when things are normal again, if you will, whatever that means, how critical it is for us to be in the room together. I realize we've got to adapt, and there will be things we do to make sure we stay connected. I just can never imagine in my mind that anything is going to be ultimately better than being in the room together. I may be proven wrong. I don't know. Because one of the most difficult things right now, I think, is I've learned over the last 30 years in ministry, and we went through the, the, what they call the church growth window of the 90s, which some of you were not even born then, but it really was that church explosion to mega churches and things of that nature. And you became this smorgasbord where people could kind of pick and choose what they wanted to do and what programs they could come to and, 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 then, and then even what times they could come to. And all that's great, if you, especially if you're mega churches, sometimes it's just too crowded. But what happens is, over time, it becomes more about me than it comes about the community. What meets my needs? Then not what's best for the vision in the community that I'm involved in. What benefits them the most since I have committed there? It's usually, in the world we live in today, what's best for me. I don't know. Third one is giving sacrificially. 
I'm going to stop here just a second, Josiah. Uh, it says up there I have 35 minutes left on my time, but I think somebody better change that or I may go to noon. <laughs> I think most of you will regret that I, that I did that. So uh, may want to reset that. Yeah, so, yeah, I look up there and I'm going, oh, it said 22 minutes while I go now. It says 35. Man, okay, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Holy Spirit changed our computer. Uh, third one is giving sacrificially. So growing intentionally, gathering regularly, giving sacrificially. It's more than just convenient or tipping God. But it's allowing God to break your heart for what breaks his heart. And you give accordingly. That is more than just supporting a local church, believe me. It is living that way. It is that. I believe that's part of it. I believe it's supporting certain ministries, but it's also as you're going. And I'll talk about it in just a second. It's in your everyday going. I remember a few years ago, uh, oh, I can't, ah, my mind just went blank on the gentleman, the blessed life of Robert. Robert yeah, Robert Morris talking about the fact that he just carries money. Again, he may be, he's able to do that, but just intentionally budgets money in his life to give to people and to bless people and to find people. And to, again, I, I'm not saying you do that, but giving sacrificially. Because what happens here, even at renovation, those who support us, the people who give the smallest amount may be sacrificing more than those who give the most. But one, I want to say thank you for those who do support what we do here. In Proverbs eleven twenty four, we've said often the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. We, we want folks at renovation whose world is getting larger and larger. And tithing is more than what we do to raise money. I'll just say that. We, Jan and I have been tithing ever, really ever since we, right after I became a Christian, and we've been doing it ever since, and never even crossed our mind not to. The only time it ever crossed my mind not to was when I set out on my patio, which I'll share again in a few weeks, kind of my journey there. But I sat on my patio when I, after I'd been a Christian for two years and watching the people around me, really no different than the day I met them, even though I'd been growing, I don't mean that is in hierarchy. It just didn't make any sense to me. So many of them were still acting, yeah, just kind of like I was before I was saved. And going out there on my patio there in Hooks, Texas, and just going, Lord, if this is all there is to it, I'm going to take most of my Sundays back, take my 10% back, as long as I've got my ticket punched. But if there's more, I want more. And there was more. And there continues to be more. That's the only time I ever really considered it. Of not giving that way. Because when some of you hear that term, tithe, you get this, it's okay. 
But I believe Malachi when he said, test me in this. I think maybe it's the only place where Scripture says to test God. And I did. And man, I've never stopped. We've never stopped. What if this is right? I don't know what all the blessings look like when God blesses our lives because we know it rains on the just and unjust alike, good and bad. One thing I know is it's really never had to do with the local church. It had everything to do with between me and God. The one thing I am guaranteed of, because I don't, I'm not guaranteed that I'll always attend Renovation Church. But as long as my mind is right and we're able to attend somewhere, what I will say is, if I cannot support the vision of the church, I'll find another church. Or I can. can't even explain why I think this is so critical. And some of you I know have already shut me off. It's okay. We love you. We love you even if, you, if you're not able to do that. And we want you here. All I'm saying is I believe that's part of growing as a disciple is giving sacrificially. And the last one is going daily. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power. Dynamite, dunamis, the word there, power. We just hammered this into young people. We were youth pastors. Go through your day with your head up in the eyes of Christ. Every day. When you come to youth group on Wednesday nights or Sunday morning or whenever that is, there are very well, and especially our leaders, there's very well young people here that are being left out, that are alone. I'm challenging you as a leader to get your head up and look with the eyes of Christ. Ask for them. And those young people, they'll tell you today, I'll walk by them and go, get your head up. They knew exactly what that meant. They meant, get my head on the swivel right this second because there's somebody right now that Pastor Kurt sees that I should be ministering to. (laughs) Or this trash needs to be picked up. It could mean both. That's just the truth. Chairs need to be put up because it was about serving. It was about being responsible for what was going on. Sometimes they would go do something that I actually didn't notice myself, and I go, "Oh yeah, that needed to be done too." But because they understood what that meant. But what if your daily life was like that? As I shared a few weeks ago. 
I was just so thankful the Lord took my thinking as soon as I had that real nasty note left on my windshield that cursed me like I'd never happened to me before. After I got over my cocky little self smiling around at who may have been watching, the Lord convicted me in that moment. You don't know what that person's going through. You don't know why they wrote a note that critiqued your character in such a way. Because I do not know that I really was driving bad anyway. I don't have no context for why they wrote the note and put it on my windshield. But what I do know is, in order for somebody to write that something's wrong, even if I was wrong in my driving, you would never respond that way unless something's wrong. Lord, help them. What would happen, and Dr. Dan obviously talking, doing a tremendous job in Thursology talking about the end time, but of course we don't know. But there are more things right now as we look at the end time that we would look at and go, wow, okay, things are happening faster and in the ways that 30 years ago when I was reading Hal Lindsey and the late great planet Earth, you know, and going, man, he didn't, I don't think he had any idea what was going to be happening today and the, the ability for surveillance and all the things that go with this. And then we willingly put a phone in our pocket so everybody, so somebody will know what we are. They didn't even think about that 30 years ago when they were writing that. But what if we knew, and again, as I shared last week in the last few weeks, when I became a Christian, there was this urgency. I had to tell everybody. Then I got civilized. What if you knew there was a time period? What if people had a clock and you could see you had this tremendous prophetic vision to be able to see somebody's clock that they have two weeks left or they or Jesus is coming back in three weeks? What urgency would there? What would you put aside? It could even be the big game today. You might even skip it. Can you imagine? Because there's an urgency over somebody's life. Or let's say they're not dying, but there's an urgency over their life that if you don't speak into their life, you don't become a friend, you don't become involved in some way, somehow, some way, the generation, their children and their children's children will never be changed because you didn't step in and help. Maybe it's not death. Maybe it's just the trajectory of their life that's at stake. And everybody that's connected to them, that they have influence over. An urgency. Again, it's not always, for sure, turn or burn. Sometimes it may just be sitting and listening because you're available. And you've given yourself margin to be available.
again. Really the only reason that a local church exists ultimately is to teach people how in the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. And then the great commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go. Go. Let me say this though. I think it's really important you understand. If the things you look at here today and you go, I'm not interested really in any of those because I am, am going to share a pathway next week. Over the next many weeks, we're going to share a pathway. We still want you to come because one thing I know and I remember so vividly. Now, let me say this. Some of you may be here because you're already believers and this is a really good place to come and it's convenient and we're so thankful you're here. Some of you, circumstances have brought you to a place like this. Much like what happened to me. I gave my life to the Lord. I mean, I, gave, I got married. Then Jan got pregnant. Then Sydney was born. And as Jan was pregnant, as I watched her, she prayed over Sydney in her belly, talked to her, sang to her. She asked me not to sing. And then when she was born, Jan said, I- I'm going to go to church. You don't have to. But, but Sydney and I are going to go to church because I know that's the right thing to do. So we started church hopping, if you will. That's not the right word because we were going hopping. I was just trying to find a place where I didn't feel freaked out too bad. That's the truth. We found it. But it still took months to me to talk about the story I shared last week in that pickup truck. And all that went on that day in that pickup truck and what happened that transpired that evening and the next morning, there was a lot of months that led up to that where there was a stirring, there were circumstances, there were things that were pulling me to that point. I had a wife that was praying for me. For whatever reason you're here, we're glad you're here. And if you want to continue to come for whatever reason you're here right now, you want to continue to come only for that reason, we're glad you're here. You're welcome. So don't hear something today that I'm not saying. But what I will say is this. We want to be a church where you will eventually feel uncomfortable staying here. You will feel uncomfortable. And it's not because we don't love you. It's because we do love you. 
that staying here is not acceptable. I'm thankful that the Lord doesn't show us how high the ladder will go. Because I might not go there. I might just stay here. But here's the problem for some of you. And and I would guess, some of you have been praying for something in your life, the Lord to do something. And it's on rung four or five. And you've never moved off rung one. They took the clock down. (laughs) So I'm going to let you go home. (laughs) On time. But looking forward to these next many weeks. Information for many of you that you've heard many times. Please come. I would never hold it at the level of scripture. (laughs) That's for sure what we're going to share with you. But I don't know about you, but I read scripture sometimes and it's scripture that I've, it's passages I've read multiple times, but that time, because of that season, because of what's happened up to that season, three or four years, it sounds different. It comes across different than it did way back there. Encourage you to be here. Invite someone. Because we want to try to give you some tools. And the one place we'll start, and we'll talk about that more next week, is about location. Because it really doesn't matter when you think about going on a trip. It's great to know where you want to go, and we'll talk about that. But you really need to know where you are right now. And that's what we'll work on. Amen? Amen. Won't you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we come today. I know I did with anticipation. I wasn't even sure until <laughs> this, this morning whether I would be here or not. In church, not on earth. But Lord, as I listened and to the worship music, as I looked at the, the songs we were doing today and listened to them over and over, it made me want to be in the room. Whether I sang them this morning or not is not the point. I just wanted to be in the room to hear those words spoken out. And for some, Lord, I know they come. That's not a big thing for them. It's okay. And Lord, I know some come today would rather be an attendee than a disciple. And Lord, I'm not by no means. I've got anybody in my mind when I say those words. It's just the reality of where we are. But Lord, we're so glad whether whatever end of that spectrum someone or anywhere in between that they land, we're so glad they're in the room. Something happens in the room, we believe, that often will never happen anywhere else. When your people gather, it doesn't even have to be in a room. It could be under some trees, wherever it is, but your people gathering. Lord, help us today to be the kind of people that wherever we go, wherever our foot sets down, 
there's an anointing upon our life, a favor on our life that comes from you. And we will go with your eyes, your heart, with our head up, looking for ways, knowing in the ways that we look that all authority in heaven and earth have also been handed to us. Help us do what you've called us to do, Lord. We love you. And thank you today for the folks in the room. We just praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go have an uncommon week in his name.